guardian angels, and patron saints. Pray for us. The themes of the scriptures today resound with hope. Hope in the midst of difficulty and suffering. Our 20, the 23rd Psalm, of course, often used particularly in the context of the loss of a loved one or facing death. In verdant pastures, the Lord who is my shepherd gives me repose, I shall not want. This beautiful expression is, is one that has found a, a place in the lives of Christians down through the ages. We know the one who guides us. We know the one who is our shepherd. And the, the author of this psalm, inspired by the Holy Spirit, expressed it almost in a, in a perfect way, an unsurpassable way. So we return again and again to these familiar stanzas. Only goodness and kindness follow me all the days of my life. You spread the table before me. Though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side. So too, St. Paul, in the second reading to the Philippians, talks about how he's learned a secret, how to remain at peace in hope in every circumstance, whether in abundance or in want, whether well-fed or going hungry. I can do all things in him who strengthens me, St. Paul says. This, again, another classic testimony to the power of hope in God and how it allows us to persevere in the midst of difficult and trying circumstances. And testimony of that, we have many contemporary examples of the power of this truth still at work in the lives of Christians. One of my favorite figures in the 20th century is a man by the name of Francis Xavier Nguyen Van Thuan, who was a bishop and eventually made a cardinal, who was part of the, uh, suffered in the persecutions in the, in the country of Vietnam and was imprisoned not long after his um, ordination to the episcopacy in Vietnam. He was imprisoned by the communists in the 1970s and was kept in virtual solitary confinement for over 10 years. And during this time, um, he obviously faced a great deal of interior darkness and difficulty. Spent a lot of time, obviously, in prayer, but found himself also with long stretches where he was almost incapable of praying. And over the course of these 10 years, he found creative ways to still be present to the people that he was the shepherd of, the pastor of. He would sneak um, calendars in through his caregivers, and he would write letters on those calendars and then send them back out, and those letters were later collected and published. But they were the fruit of much meditation, grappling with these very themes that we hear in our scriptures today. What does it mean to do all things in him who strengthens me? What is, it, what is the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry? Cardinal Francis Xavier said, this was my secret. He remembered a friend of his saying something along the lines many, many years prior, I've spent half of my life waiting. I've spent half of my life waiting, waiting for things to get better. And he identified with that deeply. When you're in prison, 
You're just waiting, waiting to get out. And your life takes on a quality of meaninglessness, pointlessness. I'm waiting for my life to begin outside of prison. So the cardinal decided, I'm not going to wait any longer. Today, I'm going to live, and I'm going to live in hope. Every single step that I take, every moment that passes in my life, is one in which God is present to me. I'm going to live in that reality. I'm going to live in that relationship. My life is a succession of moments, and every single one of those moments is open to the hope that we hear in these scriptures today, that is captured in the lives of these, these crucial figures giving testimony to this truth. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil. You are at my side now. Not tomorrow, not in a year, but now. He went on to say, I refuse as, as part of my as part of my life, as part of my, the rule that guides me through this time of great darkness, I refuse to confuse the works of God for God. That is, he was frustrated by the fact that he could have been leading a very fruitful apostolic life, working with, with the Catholics in his diocese, forming seminarians, preaching, teaching, counseling couples in difficulties, marriage, reaching out to the lost, to those who, who were unbelievers and had yet to come to, to know Jesus. He said, I could have been doing all of that, but instead I'm, I'm stuck here in prison. But that is to confuse the works of God with God himself. And God himself is with me. What more do I ask for? What more do I want? Would I trade God himself for the chance to do his works? What an inversion that would be. What a confusion. No. I've been placed here, and he decided prayerfully, this is where God has given me a flock to tend to. And so he began to work with the guards that were in charge of him to speak with them. He began to sing and to pray. He began to remember all the, the, the beautiful hymns that he'd been taught as a child and as a seminarian. And as if singing his praise of God in the midst of that, of that communist prison in Vietnam, slowly his life began to acquire the meaning that God intended. We can sometimes feel that same way. When is it going to get better? When are things going to get better for me? I'm waiting. But of course, we ought not wait. We are in relationship with the Lord who is present to us, who is at our side with his rod and his staff. Let us not confuse the gifts of God and his blessings with the gift of himself who's with us. I sometimes think the cardinal perhaps was a, was a child who complained to his parents too often, I'm bored. <laughs> and he got, his, he got his comeuppance, he got his full payment there in prison. 
We can also often feel that way. We hear that we recognize those same sentiments among children. I'm bored. There's nothing to do. We express the same kind of childish unwillingness to be alive and present in the present moment when we ask ourselves or ask God those same questions. When will it get better? Just leave you then with a final testimony of another great saint of the 20th, excuse me, of the 19th century, a saint of great hope, Saint Josephine Bakita. Saint Josephine was born in the Sudan, and she was enslaved at a very young age. She was treated extremely cruelly as she was passed from owner to owner. Her back was covered in dozens and dozens of deep scars from the many lashings that she received in punishment or simply for the amusement of her, of her masters. She was eventually sold to a Venetian man who took her to Italy. And there, he treated her very kindly and gave her somewhat of, a, of her freedom to be able to move about, and she, she came to learn about this Christian God in the beautiful churches and basilicas of Venice. And over time, she grew fascinated by this, by this Christian faith, which had as, as its central figure a man who was scourged and hung on a cross, and that he was her master that there was a master of all masters, and that this master had chosen to suffer along with the poorest, along with the most destitute, along with those who had no power. This master was the greatest of all masters and loved her, knew her, and wanted her to be free. This was a revolutionary moment for her. Eventually she was freed She joined the Kenosian sisters in Venice and spent her life there. But she was marked by a deep joy. She was drenched in happiness and joy. That was what marked her as she walked through the streets of the town where she was serving as a sister. The little children would would call out to her and wave to her because she she was so happy. They loved to be around her. You see the portrait of her even. If you search the online you can see a portrait of St. Josephine, and I, I, I sit and look at it almost as like an icon of what it means to be deeply joyful. It radiates from her face. You can just sit and look at it. This is a person who is deeply, deeply at peace. But she was a person who had suffered enormously in her life. What gave her hope was the reality that God knew her, loved her, chose her, and made her for himself, that a love awaited her in the midst of all of her sufferings and disappointments. In her own way, she lived out what it it was to live this secret that St. Paul talks about, the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of living in abundance, or of going without. That's our invitation. That's what marks the Christian life. That same joy is available to every single one of us no matter the disappointments, the setbacks, the frustrations, the sufferings that we bear. When we receive this gift of hope that we hear 
spoken of in the scriptures that we see reflected in the lives of the saints and these great figures of Christian hope. Something changes in us. We too become great prophets of hope that every moment of life isn't something to be endured and waited until things get better, but a rich encounter with the presence of God who walks beside us with his rod and his staff that give us courage. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.